good to see uh, uh, so many people here supporting our graduates. And uh, indeed, we are, we are very proud of them. And graduates, I just got to say, I've got you guys right here on the front row and the second row. So you're going to find out I spit when I talk. Jonah chapter 2, last week if you recall we looked at Jonah chapter 1 and the book of Jonah is really about God's compassion and graduates this is going to be something that you guys need to take with you. The book of Jonah is about God's compassion. Last week we saw that God is compassionate to us even when we disobey. God pursued Jonah. As Jonah ran. As Jonah was on the ship, God was compassionate and merciful to these pagan sailors. They went from worshiping their gods, their false gods, to worshiping the one true God. It's all about God's compassion. And what we're going to see this week, right in this text, is that God will use our mess to transform us. He'll use our mess to transform us. And, uh, you know, as we look at Jonah's situation, we're going to see just how relevant this is to our lives. You know, we're told this story often as we're kids, and we, we see, you know, well, this is Jonah and the fish. And we, we start to lose the fact that this connects to our everyday life. This connects to our life. Look at his situation. Jonah disobeyed and ran. Just like we often disobey and run. Jonah basically was saying, I want to have it my way. And his way led to him being thrown into the sea. His way led to death and destruction. Just like when we say, I want it my way, it leads the same way. Sin promises something that it can't deliver. Sin promises uh, to make us happy and fulfilled. And in the end, it leads to misery and ultimately destruction. Basically, Jonah would rather die than repent. Jonah would rather be thrown overboard into the sea and drown than repent and turn back to the God he's running from. And if we're honest with ourselves, sometimes that's you and me. We would rather be miserable than repent. We would rather run from the Lord and just live in misery than turn back to Him. Jonah was a disobedient prophet who deserved to die. He deserved to die. But I want you to see, I don't want you to miss this. I want you to see that God was so compassionate that He pursued Jonah even when he deserved to die and He transformed him. And He transformed him. God used a fish to transform and save Jonah. And let me tell you, God uses lots of things for us to transform us. To bring us to repentance. And that's the main idea here today. God's compassion transforms us from rebellion to repentance. From rebellion to repentance. Join me as we read the book of Jonah. And as we honor the reading of God's word, if you're able, please stand with us. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol, I cried, and you heard my voice. 
For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the floods surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. And then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet, yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You that You are a speaking God. You are a pursuing God. You're a compassionate God. But Lord, You're a speaking God. You speak to us through Your Word. And Father, something that I just can't get over is how relevant Your Word is to our lives. It's not a book written to an audience thousands of years ago, but Lord, it is a book that is written for our edification here today. So Lord, as we, as we look at Your Word, as we look at Jonah's prayer from the fish, as we see his cries of despair and help in the mess that he's made, Father, I pray that we would see, that we would see how similar we are to Jonah the prophet. And Father, I pray that we would learn from him. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Jonah begins his prayer with a very simple lesson for us. Jonah calls and God answers. Jonah calls and God answers. Notice there in the, in the first two verses, he says, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and He answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. Basically, as Jonah was sinking, he became convicted of a sin. Now, when we think about this story, we often think, well, Jonah jumped straight out of the boat, straight into the mouth of the fish. But... What we see here described is that Jonah went through a time of sinking through the waters. He, he felt the waters closing in over his head. He saw the sunlight as it faded away. He felt himself going deeper and deeper down. He says that he is in distress, crying out to the Lord. He's in the belly of Sheol. That word Sheol means uh, the place where the dead people are. The place where the dead people are. Basically, the grave is how you normally see it. Jonah's saying, out of, out of the, the depths of the grave, I'm calling out. Jonah knows he's going down, he's dying. Jonah knows this is the end of Jonah. And notice, even then, even in the mess that he had made, he caused this. He cries out to the Lord, and notice what it says. It says, and he answered me out of the belly of Sheol I cried and you heard my voice God answered 
God answered. And God hears us when we call out to Him. Even when we're in the middle of the hell that we have created for ourselves. Even when we're in the middle of the mess that we've made, when we, like Jonah, cry out in our distress, God hears us. He answers us. But what's so amazing about this prayer and what's so amazing about Jonah's life is God does not just answer Jonah. He doesn't just say, all right, well, I'm going to hear your prayers, Jonah, but I'm going to leave you where you are. No, he actually goes another step. Jonah uh, is encountering not just God answering him, but God's transforming grace. And the next thing we see is hope in the midst of despair. We see hope at rock bottom. Jonah is sinking. Jonah feels the waters closing over him. He, he feels the separation between him and God. Yes, God answers, but is there hope? Notice what Jonah says as we continue on. Jonah's situation, verse 3, he says, You cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Verse 4, he kind of gets some glimmer of hope. He, 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 he pivots and he says, I know that I'm going to see your temple again. I know that I'm going to see you again. Of course, it's not that hopeful. It could be that he knows he's about to die and see God. But when you really start to see the mess that he's in, look in verse 5 and 6. Jonah describes being near the grave. Jonah basically says, I'm in, standing in the grave right now. He says in verse 5, The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. And notice what he says next. Weeds. Weeds are wrapped around my head at the roots of the mountains. I mean, can you imagine that? Sinking, that feeling of sinking. And then from the very bottom of the pit, weeds growing up, wrapping around your head to pull you deeper and deeper and deeper at the roots of the mountains, basically the lowest point you can go. Jonah's being tugged there now by weeds. There's no hope for Jonah. There is nothing but darkness and death. He went down, he says, to a land whose bars closed over him forever. Jonah is going down to the pits of the grave knowing that he will never come up. Jonah describes for us in poetry what it feels like to go to rock bottom. And I think that resonates with us because we know exactly what's that, what that's like, don't we? And not just rock bottom because of situations around him. He's hitting rock bottom because of choices that he's made. That he forsook the Lord and ran. You know, I, I never will forget the story of, of an evangelist that I heard speak one time. His name was Bob Harrington. who's used mightily of the Lord. He was a renowned evangelist. He had an, an incredible witness in New Orleans. At his peak, he was the pa associate pastor of First Baptist New Orleans. The mayor of New Orleans had dubbed him the chaplain of Bourbon Street. He was known all around the country. He was preaching revivals and crusades left and right. 
But as he said in his own words, he gave in to pride, arrogance, self-centeredness, and stubbornness. This is what one article says about him. His first marriage ended, as well as his ministry on Bourbon Street in 1977. He married again and moved to Florida, but later divorced. During the 80s and the 90s, Harrington was a popular motivational speaker, primarily with car dealerships and real estate companies. He describes it as being miserable. He can't, he, he's not even, he, he's run away from the Lord and so he can't even preach anymore. All that he has left, he, he's going to corporations and, and teaching there and, and speaking to encourage the people and motivate them. He continues to describe the misery. One evening in 1995 in his hotel room, he was robbed and nearly beaten to death. His $1,800 dollar pair of ostrich boots he said somebody took from him and while he was sleeping beat his head to a pulp beat his head to a pulp he was in the hospital he recovered and he still was running from God and then at his lowest point he describes himself as being in a hotel room and finally the enemy just says well Bob why don't you just take your life I mean, you're just a, you're a preacher that's running from God. You're miserable. Nobody likes you except maybe your mom. Mothers always love you, graduates, just so you know that. Mothers always love you. And then right there, in the middle of his misery, God sent him his fish. The phone rings. The phone rings, and it's a friend of his from years ago who says, Bob, why don't you come back? Why don't you repent? And that night, he repented before the Lord and was restored. After 17 years of running. 17 years. Jonah, likewise, experienced that restoration. God sent the fish. God gave him hope. And notice what he says at the uh, at the end of verse 7 he says or sorry at the end of verse 6 yet you brought up my life from the pit notice here that God does not just hear Jonah's prayer but God actually answers it and transforms Jonah likewise when you and I are in the middle of rock bottom that we've made for ourselves when we're in the middle of misery we call out to God God loves us too much to leave us there. He doesn't just say, I restore you and you keep on sinning. No, God says, no, I'm restoring you and I'm going to bring you to a point where you repent. God's compassion was, was so evident in Jonah's life because Jonah repented. Jonah turned and God works in his children's life, lives so that he brings us to that point of repentance. He brings us to the point of repentance and, and God didn't just hear Jonah's prayer, but he actually stepped in and saved him. He stepped in and moved him from rebellion to restoration. What started in Jonah 1 as God pursuing His servant ends here in chapter 2 with God winning. And let me tell you, if you're in Christ, if you're in Christ, you're a Christian, 
You can run from God, but God will come after you. And God is not just, He's not just standing there. He will win. He will do whatever it takes. He will break through just like He did with Jonah. He will come to you at rock bottom and He will work on you until your heart is brought to repentance. Finally, we see lessons that Jonah learned. Lessons that Jonah learned. As his heart is being transformed, he starts to kind of give lessons. And the first one he says in verse 8 is, those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. Basically, idolatry brings no hope. Those who, those who go after idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. What's interesting and, and ironic is Jonah is probably talking about the sailors. Jonah just encountered pagan sailors, and he's probably describing them, but the irony here is it applies more to Jonah than it does to them. The pagan sailors actually turned to the one true God, and yet Jonah, the one who supposedly knows him, was running from him. And Jonah is basically saying that idolatry brings no hope. Listen, when Jonah ran from God, when Jonah ran from God, he wasn't just doing it just because he woke up that morning and he decided to run. We need to see the deeper underlying cause here. Basically, Jonah's saying that disobedience and his running happened because of idolatry. It happened because he found another God that he was going to run after. And listen, when you and I run from God, we don't do it just because we woke up one morning and we, we decided, well, I'm just going to do it for no reason. We do it because we found ourselves another God to run to. And usually, it's the God of self. Usually, it's the God of comfort. Usually, it's the God of relationships. Jonah finally comes to the point and he realizes when we run after other gods, we forsake the hope that the true God gives us. What idols are you running after today? Maybe you're like Jonah, you're running after the idol of self and comfort. Maybe you're running after the idols of success. Maybe you're going after your ambition. Whatever it is, whatever you find your identity in more so than Christ, whatever you place above Him will ultimately leave you empty and you will forsake the hope that God gives and you will run from Him. The second lesson that he learns is that we should serve God with thankfulness. Serve God with thankfulness. Notice what he says in verse 9, but I with the voice of thanksgiving will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will pay. He talks about making sacrifices and offering vows. Once again, the irony here is that's exactly what the pagan sailors were doing in chapter 1. These pagan sailors who came to know the one true God, it is very clear that, that the author wants us to know that they made sacrifices and offered vows. And now all of a sudden Jonah is saying, I need to make sacrifices and I need to offer vows. I need to serve the Lord. But notice what he says. He says, with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. That simply tells us that God is not interested in us serving out of duty. You know, some of us wouldn't be like Jonah, would we? Some of us, when God came to us and, and told us, go to Nineveh, we would say, all right, I guess I'll go if I have to. I guess I'll go if I've got to go. And we'd be guilty of the same sin of Jonah. God's not interested in, in our service 
as an end in itself. God wants us to do it with thankfulness and joy. We're to serve Him with gladness. Serve Him with gladness. And finally, the lesson that He learned, and I think this ties it all together, and this is the most important thing that we get from this. Salvation belongs to the Lord, He says. Verse 10. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Only God can rescue. Only God can rescue. The one who is fleeing from God is ultimately the one that only God himself can rescue from the pit. God didn't, God did rather actually bring about that rescue. You see at the end in verse 10, and the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah out on dry land. God saved Jonah's life, but what I'm here to tell you today is God saved something more. God saved Jonah's soul. God orchestrated all of this, was sovereign over all of this, appointed all of this so that Jonah would be brought to repentance. So that Jonah would be brought to repentance and ultimately Jonah realizes that salvation, rescue, only comes from God. That's a lesson that we need to learn. That's a lesson that we need to learn because there will never be anyone, graduates, this is especially important, and young people, this is especially, there will never be anyone sitting at God's table who has earned their way to that chair. There's never going to be a single person who is in heaven because they pulled themselves up out of the pit by their bootstraps. The only way that we have a seat at God's table is if God does the rescuing. And just like Jonathan Edwards famously said, he says, we contribute nothing to our salvation except the sin which made it necessary. We contribute nothing except the sin that brought us down to the pit that God has to rescue us from. Only God can rescue. That's also really encouraging to a lot of you parents and grandparents in here. Because some of you parents and grandparents, you, you may be thinking, well, I'm not necessarily at rock bottom, but I have a child that is. I have a child that is running from the Lord. Or I have a grandson or a granddaughter. I, ha I have a relative that is running from the Lord, and I just don't know what to do. I've tried talking to them. I'm just at my wits end. They are running from the Lord. And what we learn here from Jonah is, all you can do, and the best thing you can do, this is not just plan B, this is the best thing you can do, is pray that the Lord would break in. Pray that the Lord would break in, because only God can rescue. Only God can rescue. Ultimately, there's a greater rescue coming. There's a greater rescue coming. The Lord Jesus, the Lord Jesus says that something greater than Jonah is here. And I'll close with this. Something greater than Jonah is here. Jonah was in the fish for three days. Jesus was in the grave for three days. Jonah's rescue points us to an even greater rescue. Jesus, the Son of God, would not need to be rescued, but rather He would die so that He could rescue others. When we see what's happening here in Jonah, we need to see the bigger picture. We need to see that this foreshadows for us that we have a Savior who has come to rescue us. And we are not just you know, floating on the surface of the sea about to drown and He throws us a life preserver. 
No, we are stone cold dead at the bottom of the sea. And Jesus dives in, goes to the very bottom, and takes our place on the bottom so that we can live and brings us up. Jesus lived a life that we should have and could not live. Perfectly righteous, perfectly sinless. And He died the death that we deserve. And so, what that means for us is that we can be rescued. We can be rescued. We see in this passage that Jonah called and God answered. But God didn't just answer, but He acted. Next, we see hope from rock bottom. That God rescued Jonah from the pit. He brought him from rebellion to repentance. Finally, we, saw, we see lessons learned from Jonah, and that mainly is that salvation is from God. Only God can rescue us. God's compassion transforms us. God's compassion transforms us. He will never let us go. So if you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, the greater rescue that is pictured here is a rescue that is for you and for me. You need to realize that you are dead without Christ and you need to cling to Him. But if you're here this morning and you're a Christian, as we move to a time of response, this is how I think you should respond to it. First of all, first of all, you need to forsake your idols. What are your idols? And this morning, you need to run from them and run to the Lord. You need to run to the Lord. Graduates, this is, this is the beginning. This year actually is, is marks 10 years since I graduated, so I'm not that far ahead of you guys. And let me tell you, it gets rough. It gets rough. And as you go along, there's going to be so many things that come your way and that are going to pull at you and say, hey, this will fulfill you. But ultimately what we see and what you've learned is that nothing can deliver on that promise except Christ. And, and I've said this before and I'll say it again. It's not about a, a group of rules. It's not like, oh, you've got to check the right boxes and keep the right rules. But Christ wants to walk with you. He wants to know you. He wants you to spend time in His Word, to spend time in prayer. We need to forsake our idols. We need to forsake our idols. And finally, we need to serve the Lord with gladness. We need to serve the Lord with gladness. And some of you, that may mean you need to repent. You need to repent of just serving the Lord out of duty and obligation. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that your word convicts us. And Lord, I pray that we would learn from Jonah. That we wouldn't just see Jonah repenting, but we would see the greater picture of you bringing him to repentance. And God, I am thankful. I'm so thankful, Lord, that you sovereignly orchestrate things even in my own life that brings me to the point of repentance. Father, that you will never let me go. That you'll do whatever it takes to pursue me until I repent. And Father, I, I pray that 
for those in here that are running from God, that they would see that, hey, right now, today, is when I can stop running. It doesn't matter how far they've ran, Lord, I know you will receive them, and you'll restore them. So, Lord, for those who are at rock bottom, I pray that you would bring restoration this morning. For those who don't know you, that you would bring them to knowing you. And, Father, for, for those in here who may not be at rock bottom, but are just in anguish over relatives that are, Lord, that, that we would just turn it over to you and realize that only you can rescue. Help us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.